Hey, welcome to number 98. Yes, we are almost there, almost to 100. All right, let's get it going. Let the good times roll. This episode of the Scope Podcast is once again brought to you by Scott Flaw Brewing Company. They're about to start tapping those summer beers, and I'm super excited. Got the college basketball tournament kicking off next week on Tuesday. That's when the game starts, so get over there, have a beer, watch the games, take the boys or your significant other. I'll tell you, they need to bring back the shandy. My girlfriend keeps getting on me that they need to bring back the shandy. That's her favorite. All right. Scott Flaw, thank you so much as always for sponsoring this podcast. I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for my guest today. Number 98 is featuring Matt Thomas, cast member of Love is Blind and founder of Brawl for a Cause. This was an incredible interview, probably one of the, if not the best one given yet regarding the Love is Blind show. I mean, the story, man, of love that he shares with me is absolutely insane. That's why during the interview, I sometimes have trouble finding my words because if you were sitting there with us during the one-on-one conversation the way he tells the story of this love triangle between him and two other cast members it's absolutely insane and it was real love he fell hard for this woman when love got competitive you're gonna find out how he handled that how it played out in the real world who else he connected with on the show who had the biggest transformations this is an absolutely amazing interview I'm really thankful to Matt for coming on and sharing his story. And we're going to have a few more of the Love is Blind cast members coming on the podcast here pretty soon. So get ready for the full insight. But let's get it going. Episode number 98 of the Scoped Podcast starts now. Step into my world. I'm psyched. Let's go. Now you're turning into the Scoped Podcast. Are you cool with Damien now? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Damien, Damien and I became awesome friends through that experience. So like when he started out, like he the, the first thing he said to me was like, "Man, I had to call it off with like three or four girls I'm talking to 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 you know come on the show, and one of them dropped me off this morning, and I was just <laughs> like, all right, dude." And then one of the first things that Nick Lachey asked us when we were all sitting around is do we use dating apps? Because uh, they were kind of painting the, the picture or giving the context of this being like the anti-dating app uh, Wait, experiment. so this is, by, this is by the time you got to the house? Yeah, so the house was actually a facility okay. in Pinewood. It was a massive audio studio, the, the second largest in the world. Um, and they built out the audio studio to look like the house that you see. So we were all kind of sitting around on the couches. It's the first, one of the first scenes of the show. And in that conversation, something that wasn't put on the show was Damien saying, you know, not only do I use dating apps, I have about a hundred matches right now. And so his nickname throughout the whole show was Hundo because of the, you know, abbreviation for a hundred 
matches on Tinder. <laughs> but so, he, he's the nice one in the show. It's interesting how, um, and, and he definitely has like a full transformation on the show even. Um, I, I wish they showed more of the experiment and more of the guy's side because his transformation is one of the strongest. Uh, the, the turning point came with me when he brought up his little brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Damien has never smoked a cigarette, hasn't done drugs, and the reason is is eventually he's going to have to donate his lung to his little brother. His little brother has cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. um, and typically a life expect- expectancy for someone diagnosed at his little brother's age is like twenty five to thirty years old. So a lot of them won't have kids, won't have a life partner. That kind of you know miss out on a lot of stuff that Damien is probably going to be able to enjoy. And he and his brother are really close. And he's already been tested to see if he's a match to be able to donate, uh, a, you know, part of his lung, and he is. And so he's been preparing his body to be able to support his little brother in this way. And and when I learned that, it, it just it humanized this character in my head that I had built up to be this, you know, overconfident, boisterous like asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I saw his soft side, which is is the part that the show focused on, which I'm really glad it did because. Um, that's the real Damien is is this person that cares about someone else more than he cares about his own comfort and well-being and and someone that has this big bulky you know strong exterior but is is a teddy bear on the inside and that's why um, I wanted to bring you on definitely because you know I want to hit on like you know so much of the show that we didn't see like I got enamored with it my girlfriend got me into it she's like you got to watch this show love is blind and I was like oh yeah a buddy of mine uh, Matt Thomas I, I think it was on that and then Bam, first thing I see you on there, and I, I get instantly hooked. And we got so much to talk about about it. And then we're all going to tie it in with Brawl with the Cause uh, towards the end. Yeah. But, yeah. So, and, and Damien is that, that full circle kind of moment, that yeah. segue, because he's fighting for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation in the it's next am- event. His little brother's going to be in his corner. So it's amazing. Um, you know, it, it started out with doing some mitt work in the in the Love is Blind facility, and and it's ending up May 2nd in the ring, uh, a couple Love is Blind cast members yeah. fighting for what they believe in. See, it's funny. Like you said, uh, Damien was, you know, went in there being the alpha male, which, you know, I can never see you doing that, even though you are kind of an alpha male kind of thing. You know, you got a big thing with Brawl for a cause, you know, world champion, chess boxer, and, you know, but did you go in there, like, you know, having to flex your muscles? We we butted heads after the first night. I saw this as a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. He he kept everyone up the first night, and I had noise canceling headphones. But people came to me and uh, and were basically like, "Hey, you know, we need to do something about this Damien situation." So <laughs> I pulled him aside before we were mic'd up, and um, I looked him in the eyes. I said, "I said, listen, man, we're we're in this together. There's no bullshit competition here. Let's not make this like other reality shows. We all need sleep." Yeah. They're so, already going to be limiting our sleep. There's going to be unlimited alcohol. Like we're, you know, we got to band together here. Yeah. Like we're we're this on the is, same team. This isn't a pissing contest. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and there's a little bit of of you know peacocking and chest puffing out. But as the conversation went on, I think he realized that I wasn't trying to you know dominate him or or win some some game that didn't exist. It was you know the the bigger picture of. Yeah. Let's let's get through this thing together and and do it the best way that we can. So, what was your first interaction with the show in any kind of way? Like like finding out about it or yeah. getting recruited for it? Yeah. yeah. So they reached out via Instagram, and and that happens every once in a while for me. I'll, I'll get 
opportunities just kind of coming through through my inbox, and I say no to most of them. This one caught my attention for a couple of reasons. One, my, my mom has applied me for The Bachelor uh, three times. So, um, you know, I've been in that casting process. I never decided to move forward with it because I, I just didn't like what The Bachelor is all about. Multiple potential mates with one member of the opposite sex, a ton of drama that seemed instigated and ingenuine. And I just didn't want to be a part of that. But when this was pitched to me, it, it was like the, the answer to the, the Bachelor. And it was the anti-dating app experiment. It, it was instead of window shopping for human beings and swiping through a bunch of faces with very limited biographical information, this was the antithesis. It was, it was the opposite. So you could get to know someone without being distracted by physical appearance. And, and that was really attractive to me. So I, I went forward in the application process, uh, especially once they told me that it was a Netflix project. It was well-funded. Um, you know, they had tens of millions of dollars set aside for production and marketing of the show. Um, so I was like, okay, this isn't going to be a small thing. You know, it, it, I, I can be a part of something pretty big. I can go through this cool experiment on a personal level that I didn't necessarily believe would work, which I was wrong about, <laughs> um, but that I was open to it working. And then there's a bunch of benefits for Brawl for a Cause that I couldn't ignore. Brawl for a Cause made Netflix in a scene. It did, and, <laughs> and you know, there's a lot more to come on that. Brawl for Cause is gearing up to do more reality TV-style content, interviewing people throughout their journey of learning how to box for this thing that they believe in. It's a natural hero's journey where they encounter trials, they get punched in the face, it's hard to ask people for money. There's all these things they have to overcome, and tracking that whole journey is something we've been wanting to do for a while. So this Love is Blind opportunity was in part, a way to learn how reality TV is done at the highest level. Um, one of the most talented, unscripted television production companies is who handled the show for Netflix, a, a company called Kinetic Content. And they do Married at First Sight and a couple other reality shows that have been really successful. So I could learn from you know the masters of this how reality TV works. I could interact and network with Netflix producers and Kinetic Content producers, and then I could get exposure mm. for Brawl for a Cause, either through myself or through what ended up happening, which is a couple of the cast members have either uh, come onto the volunteer team for, for Brawl for a Cause or have signed up to actually fight. And who's signed up right now? So last year, Mark Cuevas and Taylor Lupton both fought and both ended up winning for their cause. And, and we have their fights kind of on deck ready to, to put out for people to to be able to to watch what happened last year with them. And then this year we have Damian Powers, who we were just talking about, Kenny Barnes, who um, went all the way to the altar also. Man, I thought Kenny, Kenny and, and her were the ultimate love story. thought they were. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, there was no drama like the other stories. They, they, were, they were a team all the way to the end. They just knew that they weren't the right fit, which I really respect, having right. the maturity to not get swept away and, and something that is really powerful and could easily sweep people away but they made the decision that was best for their lives um and i have a ton of respect for kenny he's actually turned out to be probably my best friend from the cast oh he seems um, like a great walking guy walking away yeah. yeah so he he helped as a volunteer last year leading up to brawl for calls he helped on the sponsorship side he helped people train and then he said he wanted to do it this year and right. I, I got so excited and the, the last cast member that's fighting had a, a small part similar to me in uh in just the first episode um, but his name's John Smith, 
and uh, and he's he's fighting as well. He's he's one of our oldest brawlers this year. We have a much younger class this year, which is exciting. Was he the guy sitting at the table, like giving everyone advice kind of thing? So that's Rory, and and we'll get into Rory's story because Rory and my story are are intertwined. Uh, If you want to hear more about my my experience on the show. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. Yeah, and and so Rory was my best friend on the show. Like we connected instantly. We had the same producer, so we were doing a lot of the same meetings and interview times and all that kind of stuff. And and he and I both turned. Uh, our passions into our career. We're both really into positive psychology. We both kind of took on that, you know, life coach therapist type of role in the house. And all of his scenes were that role because he, he gives really excellent advice and is just a really good person to his core. Rory and I ended up falling for the same girl. We found ourselves in a love triangle uh, being good friends on the show. So we had to navigate that, which was really interesting. Now, who were you uh, both interested in? So we both fell for a girl named Danielle. She's a yoga instructor, a model, and she she works in the event industry. And so she and I had a, a ton in common. You know, I, I'm really into yoga. Uh, I love to travel. Um, I, I've done some influencer and modeling type of work. And then I, you know, my my career is events. Brawl for Calls is the main one, but I do others at other parts of the year. So we just we were aligned on so many things. We instantly connected, and it really weirded me out. I went on the show open. To connection, but not really believing that it could happen through a wall. Never seeing them and trying to form that connection. Yeah, I, I mean, I I was intrigued, but I I, I was not uh, not confident that it would come to fruition, that it would actually work. But with her, on like the first day, I was like, "What the hell just happened?" And uh, and and from that day forward, she was my number one because we basically power ranked all of our dates on who we wanted to see the next day. And so your your number one was a big deal. I mean, that's someone that you, you definitely wanted to see the next day, no matter what. And so from the very beginning, it was Danielle. It was like a one track mind and Rory was the same way. So it was a, uh, it was crazy because I, I was the only person on the guy side of the house that, that wasn't drinking and that wasn't talking about any of my dates. I, I just decided, I, I knew that drama would come from both of those things that I would maybe do something that I would, re- I would regret. So I just kind of kept that stuff to myself and so I caught wind that Rory was was into Danielle before he knew about me. And so I could kind of see this eventual conflict coming. And so actually one one night after we were unmiked and, and off camera, we, we had been moved into a hotel to get better sleep and, and not be in the anymore. And I went to Rory's hotel room, knocked on his door, he opened it, looked kind of confused. We weren't getting much sleep, so sleep was really important. So as soon as we got back to the hotel, most most of the time we just like crashed. But uh, I asked to come in and he, he let me in. I said, hey, listen, man, I, I think at some point in the near future, uh, they're going to reveal who's dating who. And and it's going to cause some some drama because I know obviously there's some overlap here. Guys, we're all dating the same people and some of us like the same person. And, and, I, and you and I are are in that group. You know, I, I've had Danielle as my number one since day one. And, and I know you have, too. And I think eventually this is going to happen. I think we should talk about it now before we're mic'd up on camera. And uh, and he was shocked um, and, and kind of needed to internalize that. But I, I'd already thought through it. So I, I made a proposition to him. I said, hey, you know, I, I don't think we should we should do what they expect us to do. You know, he's a competitive gamer. He's a, he's a, he's a streamer. He's been the face of a, a very prominent gaming company. 
and he's com- he's a competitive guy. He likes mm. to win, and I'm kind of the same way. You know, yeah. I'm I'm a boxer. I I won a chess boxing world championship. I promote fights. Like I, they probably pegged me as a pretty competitive <laughs> guy. Mm-hmm. And I said I, I don't think we should try to compete over Danielle. I don't think we should get caught up in that traditional male territorial thing. I, I think instead we should both be on Team Danielle. I think we should show her as much of ourselves as we can and and paint a picture of what the future could look like with each of us and support whatever decision she makes because, you know, I, I respect you, Rory. I, I know that if she chooses you, y'all are going to be happy together. Like, it's going to work work out. Like, you're both good people, and, and I hope I can be your friend, and I hope the same is true in, in the end. I, I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me, and I, I love both of these people that I'm in this love triangle with. You know, Rory as a friend and Danielle as a potential love interest. So um, I, I made the proposition and we we shook on it and we hugged it out. And, and the next day they did the reveal. So we had we had done it right on time. And when they they surprised us with it and pulled us both into an interview, we nailed it. <laughs> I mean, we we totally like like the, the producer's jaws kind of dropped. It was such a surprising moment that. We were uh, seemingly a, a above this surprise that yeah. we're both interested in the same girl and there's no one else in the picture. And that only one of us is going to be able to and walk away. And they didn't away. get that male head-to-head collision like they thought from the two competitive right. people on the show. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, Danielle, who was your number one, Who were, did you connect with any of the women that ended up getting engaged or married? You know, I, I actually had Lauren who was the kind of the first to get engaged on the show, um, the first to have a real connection with Cameron. Uh, I had Lauren all the way to the end. And she and I really connected, but I, but I also knew about Cameron and Lauren, and I also knew that Danielle was my number one. So I had a conversation early on with Lauren that was like, hey, I'm a safe person to keep putting as your number two because I'm not trying to walk out of here with you. I know you're, you're into Cameron. Cameron's another good friend of mine in, in the house. So we can just use this time to talk through what you're thinking with Cameron or what I'm thinking with Danielle. We can use this time just to, you know, deepen a friendship. And that's what ended up happening. And towards the end, when when sleep got more sparse and, and stress got higher and everything, we, we were able to use that time to just uh, go into the pod together and, and nap on the couch. We were just comfortable with, with being silent or, or not even going to the date. You keep uh-huh. talking about sleep deprivation. Why was there such a lack of sleep? A couple of reasons. Um, I, I the the reason that the show puts out, which I think is a valid one, mm-hmm. is we want it to use as much of our time as possible to date, because we only had a, about two weeks to go through this experiment and to build up enough knowledge and confidence to propose through a wall. Like that was everyone's goal, and so the more time that you spend with someone especially in a stressful, sleep-deprived kind of state because you, you inevitably become more vulnerable and, and walls come down, you're a little bit more raw. That's a great way to get to know someone and, and what really makes someone tick and who they are. Like the reason why connections were formed so quickly, I think, was in part due to the, the sleep deprivation component, especially if you're thinking about having kids with this person. Like you're both going to be up all night dealing with kids, balancing a job. There, there's going to be stressful situations. You need to get to know what your potential partner is like when they aren't at their best, when they aren't charged 100%. So I, I respect that component. I think another component is on reality TV in general, there's enhanced emotions due to alcohol provided and and sleep 
not provided. <laughs> um, I, I think that it's a good recipe for more drama and emotions and vulnerability and all of those things that make reality TV so addicting and successful. And did alcohol like cause some drama situations on the guy's side? Can't speak for everyone. I didn't drink, so I was kind of a sober observer or listener or life coach on the show. I, I think it definitely led to either some people coping with some of the things that were coming up for them or enhancing the emotions or the drama that or, or the stress that they were feeling. Yeah. You know, the show made it painted it like the guys were all talking about love and serious stuff and the women were just talking about sex and hoping the guy had a big dick or whatever. Like, you know, if, if you watch the show bag, that's what it makes it seem like the, the women are just into the superficial stuff and the men are actually talking about love and who they want to be their, be their wife. Yeah, what you see on the show is is less than 1% of what happened. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, they they had, I mean, it was a crew of like 70 cameramen for 10 days that were, you know, those cameras were running for 18 to 22 hours a day. You know, we were getting like two to six hours of sleep a night. It, it was like a, um, they have hundreds of hours of footage of, of me falling in love through a wall and... 14 other guys and 15 other girls doing the same. So it's like what the, I would love to see what Netflix has in their vault. I would love to see me go through that journey because I, I, I experienced it in the moment, but it was such a blur. And I, and I, I'm really glad that I did this. I, I journaled every day in my own personal journal. They gave us journals, but they collected those when we left the show. Uh, but I, I journal in my own journal every day in detail. So I, I have this kind of firsthand account of what happened. But to be able to see not just my facial expressions or, you know, the, the stories I chose to share or my reactions when, you know, we found another common ground between Danielle and I, but to see hers would be really amazing because, you know, we did develop a very deep connection and, to have all that on camera is, yeah. is I think, really unique. I don't think anyone really has them falling in love with someone all cataloged and tracked and uh, and able to be viewed. So, so this is the real kind of stuff. Like, you actually fell in love with Danielle through a wall without seeing her. I did, yeah. I, I, still, I still have love for her. And you know, there's more to the story, which I'm, I'm happy to share, but yeah. due to how our connection started on a on a dating show with the intention being love and marriage it kind of set us off on this track that maybe if we met in the real world we wouldn't have been on mm -hmm. because Danielle and I are are very very similar people it's it's almost like looking in a mirror and I, I think one of my learnings from the show is that for my eventual life partner if I have one I, I need someone that balances me a little bit more that is kind of on the other end of that spectrum that can provide a different perspective on life or, or has a different paradigm that due to their life experience or their values balances me out a little bit more than, than Danielle did. So are you still in touch with Danielle? Yeah, we did yoga last week together. Are y'all dating? No. So, so I, I'll pick up the story where I, I left off. They, they revealed that Rory and I are dating the same pe person. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we navigated that in a way that I, you know, I know that both he and I are very proud of. And as the show progressed, I won't go into to too much detail, but Rory and I had 
committed to meeting up and, and checking in and keeping an open line of communication kind of off mic, off camera. And so at a certain point, we had both agreed not to propose on the show, that, that we, would, we would both not get down on one knee and keep playing this game that we had signed up for, that we would walk off a set together. We would all three of us meet up at a coffee shop and kind of figure out what's next. Um, what? And and this this pact that we made, you know, it, it, it kind of happened the same way. I went to his room late at night. I had reread the contract that we had signed uh, with Kinetic Content, and I, I just had some reservations about going all the way through the experience. And so I, I brought those up to, to Rory, and he shared those, and, and we had another handshake, bro hug, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do. And the day before proposal day, Emotions were the highest. Everyone was stressed. There's an element of groupthink that was prevalent in the house where people are dropping like flies in terms of um, getting engaged or getting confirmation that they have a partner on the other side. So Cameron was the, the first mm-hmm. to admit it. and uh, But it was like a domino effect. I mean, after that, um, you know, Mark was, was extremely confident uh, about Jessica. Yeah, she wasn't and, so confident about him. And, and he didn't know that until kind of towards the end. So when you see Mark kind of lose it on, on Burnett, uh, when, when, when there's that elevated sense of, you know, what the hell is going on here? That's right before proposal day. Um, so, and, and everyone kind of had that, that going on because that was when we had had the least amount of sleep over the most number of days. Uh, and people were coping in all sorts of ways, whether alcohol or, um, venting or whatever, you know, Rory had, a a similar kind of reaction. He, he, he was scared that he wasn't going to end up with this person that he had developed real feelings for, which I completely understand. And in his final date before proposal day, he asked Danielle, if, if I propose to you tomorrow, will you say no? And she says, no. And they, they cut off the date right after that. There was no expanding on, on that exchange. So they cut the audio and then, and, and so he comes back in just on cloud nine. Like the person that I love is is ready to say yes to me if if I propose, and so that changed our our agreement. He he, uh, we were still mic'd up, but when we needed to have conversations, we would go in the bathroom together. We would turn on the faucet and we would hit our our, our lavalier. Uh, so whatever sound engineer, poor you know, poor guy. And he he basically told me it was like, hey, listen, like. Things have changed, and I love this girl, and and I know that contract or agreement or whatever, all, all that stuff is there. But but I I don't care. I'll I'll figure it out with her, and um and I'm sorry, and and I you know I, I think if you if you feel the same way, you should take your shot too. You should you know propose also. And I, I looked at him. I was like, listen, man, like I'm I'm still not comfortable going through the rest of this experience personally. Um. And I'm, I'm not going to propose. So, you know, if, if y'all end up together, I, I, I want to stand by what I said. I want to be your friends. I want to support that. Like, I think you're both great people. Um, but, you know, I, tomorrow the show ends for me. And he said, okay. And, um, and so the next day I thought a lot about what I was going to say to Danielle, you know, in theory, the last time I was going to talk to her. And so when I walked into the pod, I said, you know, Danielle, today is proposal day and everyone's proposing marriage. And I have a, a different 
kind of proposal for you. And what I did was, was ask her to walk out of there with me right then and there. And uh, I, I told her that I, I don't want to make a decision this big based off of just one of my five senses. I want to see her, smell her, taste her, touch her. I want to know with all of who I am that when I say forever that I mean it. And so my proposition was let's walk out of here. Let's buy a one-way ticket somewhere in the world. Let's take a lap. Let's experience each other with all of our senses and different countries and cultures and and let's see what happens. Maybe we decide to get married. Maybe we don't. But it's a leap of faith that I want to take with you. And uh, she started crying. <laughs> she said a lot of nice things. Um, but she also she also said that there was a part of her that, that told her that she needed to see uh, what Rory would say. And, um, and that, and that part of her told her that she, she needed to be with Rory. And I, I told her, absolutely listen to that part. You know, if, if, if this isn't a romance between us and it turns into a friendship, that's still a positive outcome. I, I still will be grateful to the experiment and grateful to, to her and Rory for the experience. But I, I told her, and, and this was, I guess, my final act of either rebellion or, or just trying to do what I thought was best for, for someone that I, I loved. Um, but I said if even 1% of her isn't sure that this isn't what she wants or that this way of doing it isn't how she wants to do it, if there's just 1%, all she has to say is not yet and she's free. Um, and I was just trying to save her from three more months of being mic'd up on camera going through this really challenging, dramatic kind of experience and and opting into the the second part of the contract, um, which, you know, I, I knew would have its effects. And so I, I kind of left her with that, <laughs> hoping that she would walk away from the experience and, and save herself and Rory some, some pain, but she didn't. She, she said yes to Rory in the, the next uh, proposal date. And, um, and so as soon as I walked out of my proposal, Nick Lachey gave me my, my exit interview and it was the most emotional that I was on the show, but, and I think they thought I was going to, you know, break down or get angry or get sad or something, but I, I kept it together. And, and, uh, and Nick's final question to me was, Matt, there's, there's going to be critics that say that people can't possibly fall in love through a wall or fall in love this fast. There's going to be critics that say that your feelings couldn't have been genuine, uh, that you couldn't possibly be happy for the person that you fell in love with being with someone else, your, your, your friend. And his question was, what, what would you say to those critics? And there, there's something that we, there's a quote that we start every brawl for a cause journey off with. I, I, I bring all of the contenders together, all the people thinking about brawling. These are people that are signing up to do something that's super scary and that they're going to receive a lot of criticism for. There's going to be, Wives and mothers and coworkers are like, why the hell are you going to get punched in the face for something you believe in? You, you can just go run a 5K, have a bake sale. There's Don't other ways. Money. To, yeah, there's <laughs> other ways to, to raise funds and awareness for something you care about. Why this? And, and what we start out that journey with, what we 
and, and what we repeat throughout it is is the man in the arena quote by FDR, which is that it's not the critic who counts. It's not the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who errs and falls short because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who has great enthusiasms and great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the end knows the triumph of high achievement, and if he fails... At least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place is not with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Holy crap. And I said that to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Nick with Jay's face. <laughs> his jaw drops. That's the other, like, I want to see myself fall in love with Danielle through a wall. Like, that's footage that I would definitely like to see someday. So if anyone from Netflix is listening and has any sort of pool, please. I would also love to see that exit interview. Because <laughs> I, I, I have Nick's face, like, burned into my 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 mind's eye saying that. And it's literally the last thing I say on the show. He's just like, okay, thank you, Matt. Thank you for your time. <laughs> and, and like five minutes later, my bags are already packed. I'm in an Uber, like going back home. So oh gosh, <laughs> they immediately so offered me, uh, ushered me off set. So, um, yeah. And, and, and I believe every bit of that, both for the brawl for a cause context and the love yeah. is blind context. There's a ton of critics out there that are like, this show is bullshit. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Like, it wasn't scripted either. Was I it? was a critic beforehand too. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't believe that it would work. I was open to it, partly because I wanted to be on the show and had these kind of ulterior motives for yeah. brawl for a cause. But after going through it, like I developed real feelings for Danielle, and those feelings ended up coming to fruition because the next day, after the reveal day, after Danielle and Rory met, the producers pulled three couples aside and cut them from the show. Because out of the 10 potential couples, eight got engaged. And Netflix thought in the best case scenario, five would get engaged. So they're only gonna, they only had budgeted for five engagements, five weddings. And that's, that's expensive stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of crew, a lot of you know, paying for their rent and all the travel and all that kind of stuff. And so three couples got cut right off the top. And, and because Rory and Danielle are really f- normal, great people that that weren't you know interracial or or have you know a, a, an age difference or have you know a, a bisexual secret that they hadn't shared they, they just you know they're like okay these two people are gonna be like normal and live happily ever after like story done uh-huh. you know so um they cut three couples and uh and then there were i guess 12 people from each side that had already been cut from the show uh so all of us decided to meet up the day after and and you know, meet the people from the other side of the wall for the first time and see what they look like and talk about our experience on the show. And, and what formed was kind of like a support group. You know, we, we'd all gone through this traumatic shared experience that no one else can relate to in the world. And we, we needed to have some sort of community for them. Now, what is the current status of Rory and Danielle? So we, we meet at Gypsy Kitchen in Atlanta. Okay. And, and I knew that, you know, the whole time I was on the show, I was, I was talking the talk. I was, you know, if they end up together, I'll be happy for them. I'll be their friend. And this was the opportunity to to walk the walk, fight the fight, because they were about to walk in together. She had a ring on her finger. I think she looked like by this no. point. Oh, damn. So she walks in and my legs get weak. <laughs> and I'm like, what is about to happen? You know, I'm having this really intense reaction. And I kind of get a, a hand on myself and I, I put out my hand. And I say, hey, I'm your friend, Matt. 
and she looks at me and and yeah, kind of kind of melts a little bit and and knocks my hand away and gives me a big hug, and um, and she says it's so nice to meet you, and I kind of look over her shoulder and Rory's standing there, and so I I finish the hug with with Danielle and I go up and I hug Rory, I said I can't wait to hear what happened why you're cut, you know what what the fallout is and everything. So I, I end up talking to Rory and the guys for most of the night. I really don't interact with Danielle, but we, we kind of catch each other's eye a few times. And, and I see, you know, I, I see that she and Rory are really happy together. They're touchy feely. They are kissing, you know, it's, it, it seemed real. So in my head, I'm like, okay, like they found each other. That's great. And it's time for me to, to move on, to close this and, uh, and take next steps. So, I, I go to leave and Danielle stops me and she said, we really need to talk. I said, okay, uh, wh- what do you need to talk about? And she said, I'm, I'm, you know, can't do it here, but I'm about to go on a trip. And when I get back, let's get together. I said, okay. So the next day I wake up and, um, the show was, was filmed back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2018 is, is when I won chess boxing world championship. So it, I, I, I went through this, this tournament in Calcutta, India. I spent two months after in Thailand, just kind of like taking time to myself. I spent time in a monastery. I bounced around. I got my scuba certification. I had this like kind of whirlwind tour. And then five days after I got back from Thailand, I walked on the set for the show. Wait a second, Matt. We interviewed like two years ago. Yeah, it was probably right after all that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. that is too funny. So, while I was training for chess boxing, uh-huh. I went to a few chess tournaments and one was the world open in Philadelphia. And I'd met this girl that I really connected with at a chess tournament, which is like, it never happens. Like you don't meet people <laughs> in a romantic way at a chess tournament. And it's, and, and there's so few women in the sport. Right. Like it's, it's just a, a old guy dominated kind of sport. So, so I met this girl and we, we had an amazing weekend together. But the, the problem was that she lives a world away. She, she's from Serbia. She lives in Serbia. So we stayed in touch leading up to the, the filming of Love is Blind. And I told her that I was going on the show and she was really supportive. You know, we, we didn't have any sort of expectations or rules or restrictions or anything like that. So this day after the whole cast meets, I call this girl, the Serbian girl. And I tell her everything that happened on the show about, you know, falling in love through a wall and seeing them last night and just the whole story. And her only response was, so you're, you're telling me you aren't engaged. And I said, well, no. She said, okay, let's take a trip together. I said, okay. She said, let's book flights to Paris right now on the phone. So we both pull out our laptops and we buy flights that day for like two months out to go to Paris together. We book an Airbnb. And this was in my mind, like, okay, like time to move on. And this girl is super cool. And I, I had a connection and this is a way to yeah, either move on or, or explore a different kind of connection or whatever. And so a few days go by and Danielle gets back from her trip. And I didn't know this at the time, but um, the trip was with Rory. They had gone to Miami by themselves to see if, if the connection was real and if they were going to keep their engagement and stay together and all those things. And when, when I met up with Danielle, when she got back, she wasn't wearing a wedding ring. And she was wearing a 
a gift that I had given to her on the show because we were able to send things back and forth through the pods. That's another thing yeah, that I didn't show yeah. on the, you know, you know, on on Netflix, but that I thought was a really cool part of the experiment is you could kind of like decorate a pod or or you could give a gift. I think when someone proposed, they had done that. They had items sent into the pod. Uh, I think it was actually Damien. Da- Damien, yeah, yeah. And there's more to that proposal that I, I wish they showed because Damien had a really thoughtful proposal I helped him write a poem for Giannina and he read the poem and and he had that bow moment and and the crazy part about that engagement really it's it's Damien's story I should maybe let him tell it I'll let him tell it in in detail but Giannina has had a a tattoo of a bow on her wrist for years like long before the show and Damien had no idea even when he proposed so when he put the bow on his wrist and Giannina's mind she was like this is fate like this is crazy. So like she looks down at her, her wrist, and, and there's like a like a bow tie on her wrist, and Damien's wearing wearing it on the other side of a wall. It's a really crazy moment. Going off on a tangent. Sorry. No, it's but, great. But really crazy. And I think this is by far the best Love Is Blind interview been done yet. <laughs> by far. I'm just being open. No, um, this is great. Yeah. So anyway, I I had sent Danielle a a, a gift, um, and she had it with her. Um, and, and I had a gift that she had given me. Uh, she had given me a rose quartz. Um, and I had it with me in my hand when, when she came to meet. And she tells me that she made the wrong decision on the show. Get out of here. She tells me that Rory had reminded her of her ex, and then she was really comfortable with that kind of so person. So Rory's not and, there during this interaction? No. Okay, it's just you and her. Okay. Yeah, yeah she had she had called things off. So she came to me and she said, I, I, I know that that this is – weird and difficult and unlikely and all these things, but would you want to give this a shot? Of course, in my mind, I'm like, I just booked flights to Paris with another girl. <laughs> um, and I thought that this was like a done deal, like that they were going to be happily ever after. And and so I, I think for a second, but not any longer than that, I just open up and I'm just like, hey, listen, like I I booked I booked this trip with another girl to Paris in two months. And and I, I I intend on going. And she said, I, I completely understand that you did that. I was engaged to someone else when you when you booked it. Like this is a weird way to meet someone and develop a connection and all those things. Like we just gotta be understanding of that. But I still wanna see if there's something here. And I said, Okay, you know, I, I, I can't lie, like of course I do too. I need to talk to this Serbian girl. And so I call her and I, I basically Tell her everything. Like, I'm just like, hey, here's the situation. And she said, will you regret coming to Paris and not giving this a chance, not seeing if it could work? I said, yeah, I think I would. She said, I don't want you coming to Paris with any regrets. Like, do what you need to do. And so Danielle and I date for about two months, and we meet friends and, and family. We do trips together. She meets my family in Philadelphia. We spend a, a weekend with my little sister in New York. And we we had a, a we made a bunch of amazing memories. Like we really connected on on, on deep deep level. But I, I think for both of us, it wasn't the the kind of chemistry and connection that we were looking for in a life partner. And that's why you know, kind of the beginning of this talk between us, you you and me, I, I alluded to us probably being in each other's lives for the rest of our lives. Like we have this crazy shared experience. We're into all the same things. We do yoga regularly together now. Like we, we have an amazing friendship 
but it took going through, hey, could this be something more before we could really decide on, on what it was. And that was a, a painful kind of un- uncoupling because I think for a while, both of us thought of that could be kind of all-encompassing. It could be a life partnership. But in the, in the week before Paris, we had a, a very real conversation and I, I told her I still intended on going and she kind of said, I, you know, I won't be here when you come back in the same way and I'm going to need some time to like get over this. And I, I said, I completely understand. Wait, so you're still, you're still with Danielle at this point, but you're still going to go to the Paris trip with Danielle. I mean, <laughs> there weren't any labels with either of the, mm-hmm. the women we were seeing, we were exploring what the connection was and, and how it worked and, and what we wanted, where, where we wanted it to go. And you didn't feel it was strong enough to cancel your Paris trip. Yeah, I think both of us felt elements of misalignment in certain things that we would have wanted in, in life partners or, or certain romantic components. So the, the friendship was there in a very real way. Our trust and communication was on a, like on another level. And it was a really positive two months. It just wasn't what we both hoped for, given how we met and that love was kind of the intention of the show. You know, you uh, had told me you you somewhat regretted not getting engaged just because of how like you know it played out for the other couples. But you know, you you went through the love is blind experiment off camera. You you dealt with it with Danielle naturally in the in the natural world, the way people really deal with it. Can you imagine having that experience? Added pressure of Mike Don on camera. Yeah, a couple things to unpack there. I think first after day two or three, it was so normalized to have a mic on and a camera on you that. It didn't really make a difference. You really like get the, used to the it. The people you... that you see on the show mm-hmm. are authentically that person. Like reality TV is that. There there are variables and and elements of the environment that lead to more or less drama. There's sometimes there's producers instigating certain questions or prompts or outbursts or whatever. But overall, I mean, the majority of what you see is is authentic. Is is people navigating this situation in the way that they think is best, and I think I think to your point, you know, I, I see, you know, I, I see some of my castmates getting hundreds of thousands or over a million followers. I see the opportunities that are coming their way, and and I I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I've thought about a scenario where if I did get engaged, maybe we would be picked as one of the five and you know, the, the couples that went all the way through the experience and, and that life would be different now. But th- there's a much bigger part of me that knows that I stayed true to myself through the whole experience that getting engaged on that show was not the right call for me. Mm-hmm. And that my intentions for going on the show are still being served. There, there are people that are using those hundreds of thousands of followers that are using these new opportunities to benefit something bigger than themselves by going through this Brawl for a Cause program. It's incredible. And already i mean we've we've gotten more press through love is blind than we have in 8 years of doing our regular programming so you know for for me personally the the win the takeaway is this love of my life brought for a cause that that has become my career that is my purpose and my passion that that is what is the ultimate beneficiary in in my mind and that's what love i've always blind. That's what I've always respected about you, man, since I met you, is how true you are and how real. And the fact that you're telling me you went through the experience, you know, staying true to yourself, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, it doesn't, I, I never thought you'd be the guy to go in there and just do something for a possible TV interview or for fame or whatever. 
I, I have a massive respect for you because of how true you are. And I follow you on Instagram and all that. And I see it and it's, it's, it's inspiring. And that's why I love this interview. And that's why I think this is the best love is blind interview yet, because you're being real. We're being real right now. This is no like TV camera, you know, pop culture kind of thing where it's limited. This is one-on-one conversation and it's real and I love it. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. I Thanks excited. man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you create a really comfortable, altruistic kind of environment for people to, to be real. And, and I don't see any value in, in doing anything, but you know, that, but being authentic, being myself. I, I did that on the show. I'm doing it now. I'll continue to do it. I got to ask you, how was the Paris trip? Paris went really well. Yeah. I, it's, it, it's hard to not have a good time in Paris, especially when you're going, uh, with a, you know, someone that you're romantic with. Yeah. Uh, so it is a beautiful experience. So what is your current state? Are you dating someone? Are you single? Or are you in between? Is it complicated? Um, yeah, not not a huge label guy. Very open to connecting with with people. I love it. It's my favorite thing. It's it's really what what is what, what runs through the core of Brawl for a Cause is is connecting with these beautiful people that care about something enough to to put themselves in harm's way for it. And inevitably, transformation occurs there. And through transformation, amazing stories are, are formed. So, the most true and and core part of who I am loves people loves transformation and loves stories. And so I, I know I'm kind of meandering away from your question. Yeah, if a little I, bit. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm answering it directly, I am not in a restrictive relationship with any one person. I, I'm very open to connecting with, with new people romantically or, or friendly or whatever. And I love doing that. It's my favorite thing. So, you know, I, I, I think everyone on Love is Blind will attest to this, but mm. My ability to connect with people, my ability to communicate and to drill down deep to what really matters when you're not just forming a romantic relationship, but any sort of friendship or business partnership was so enhanced by that experience of of having 18 to 22 hours a day of only talking about things that matter and, and realizing that that kind of connection doesn't have to happen on a reality TV set through a wall. It can be across from someone grabbing coffee. It can be next to someone in a workout. It can be on the phone a, a world away. But being intentional about what you talk about and, and who you talk about it with is, I think, one of the most important things that we can do. I, I think relationships are, are what define a, a life well lived. It's, it's who comes to your funeral. It, it's... Um, who's standing next to you on your your big day, your wedding day, or or equivalent? It's people, and we only have so much time on this planet, and and who we spend that time with, I think, is is everything. And you are really good with words. You think <laughs> I'd be the one that's good with words, be on the radio, and I'm listening to this guy. I'm like taking notes. I'm like, damn, I gotta say that more often. <laughs> so it's funny. Well, you that's know, how I feel. I uh, I'm. Like I said, my girlfriend got me into the show, and since we talked, this is by far the woman I plan on spending my life with. It's a big deal, man. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah she's great. She got into the show, and she was, it's not your normal dating show. That was the most surprising part about it was, it, like you said, it is real, and it isn't very scripted, and you get that real aspect. It was like, you know, with The Bachelor, it's very fake in some ways, just how, like, you know, because of you can see the person you can see when people are in the pods, 
that they're wondering what the other person looks like. They're getting genuinely excited because that's the only emotion they have is that kind of connection through a mm-hmm. wall. And I've, I've read a thing that said some of y'all would spend like hours in a in a pod. That's uh, right. Like, so what was the longest time you ever spent in a pod with Danielle? Mm, I think between two and three hours wow. were, were the longest dating cycles. And that's in one sitting. So you could date multiple times in a day. So I, I think the most time I spent with Danielle in a day was like four to six hours. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, all of that time is super intense and intentional. Like even you, you think about how much time you spend with your girlfriend now, like you might sleep together, wake up together. That's hours on end that I wasn't spending with Danielle. But all of that time was facilitated. Like if, if you're open to unsolicited advice, not just for you, but maybe anyone listening who's who's thinking about a serious relationship or proposing or life partnership, the most impactful part of the show was each day had like a theme. They had you know, optional questions that you could ask that you kind of had this, this approval or this permission to ask these really deep things right off the bat. And, and so I had conversations with Danielle on day five, six, seven, that some of my friends that have been dating someone for two, three years haven't talked about yet. You know, you started, we, we all started out with normal stuff like hobbies and career and like regular dating kind of stuff. But then we move into childhood and upbringing and all that trauma that we inevitably get from our parents. We move into past relationships and and the baggage that we're carrying from that. We talk about sex. We talk about finances. We talk about God. And if we believe in in a certain kind of religion and we, and we paint a vision of the future of, of what life could look like together, because that was our intention of being there was finding a life partner and, and having enough confidence and fortitude to propose through a wall. And I think that everyone, yourself included, could benefit from, if you haven't had those conversations with your significant other, use love is blind as an excuse to, to be able to, to go deep, to, to talk about things that really matter that you need to talk about before you say forever. Because there, there shouldn't be anything that's off limits. <sighs> so deep, so deep. So one of the major parts about the show that they concentrated on early on was Barnett, who uh, me and him have been in talk about him coming in, uh, Barnett and Amber. Sure. Uh, was there, what was it like with him and his different connection with Elsie, Jessica, and uh, Amber? Uh, I, I've been Barnett before. I, I have a lot of friends that are like Barnett. Yeah. Um, he, is, he is so gifted at connecting with people, not just girls on the other side of the wall, but guys in the house. Like he, he's a bro. Like, ev- like he's funny. He's, he's witty. He was excellent at, at deflecting anything that got really close to his core. Yeah. And I think as the show went on, he, he opened up, he blossomed more and more. And I think he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. So I, I think the show really helped him realize who he is and what he wanted. And I think a core component of Barnett is he's terrified of being bored um and and i don't think amber will ever let boredom come anywhere close to their relationship so i I think they kind of complete each other in a way that is is atypical and is not like the cameron and lauren fairy tale but that that is 
that is something where both people are admittedly broken and chaotic and and who they are, but they own it. And and it's such a good example and interesting dynamic for people to see on a large scale of that kind of relationship working out. And so I Barnett out of anyone is the least likely to let all this new fame and attention go to his head. He's so anti uh, social media and incoming opportunities and all that kind of stuff. Um, to the point where it, when the show came out, his Instagram name was Mr. Flex 13. Um, and that's his old gamer tag. Uh, it, it was actually Felix, uh, but everyone called him Flex on, on Xbox Live. And he still has this weird, you know, profile picture of, you know, a bandana and the, it's all backlit. You can't even really tell it's him. Yeah. He, he just like doesn't get social media at all. He, he might've had like three or 400 followers before the show. And now he's over, you know, half a million. And, uh, and I recommend, I was like, Hey man, like change your name. Yeah. And he's like, should I change my like actual name? I was like, I mean, like the only reason people are going to be following you is this show. Yeah. If we're, if we're being honest here, but, you know, how about Barnett is blind. And uh, for the first couple of weeks that he changed his name, he, he gave me a little credit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember saying that. Um, but yeah, and and yeah, he's he's so he's he's charming. He's funny. He's getting a lot more comfortable talking into the the phone. And I, I think I think that both Barnett and Amber and Lauren and Cameron are are going to be able to parlay this into a a lifestyle that just by them being themselves is going to be able to support. Um, Maybe not just them, but a family and a future, and that's that's really endearing to mm-hmm. see. That I, I I think everyone on on the show is genuinely a, a good person, and I, I think the people that are getting a lot of attention from this, it's it's deserved, and well, I, I wish you know nothing but the best for them. Unfairly, the show painted Amber as uh, kind of bitchy, and you know, like she was taking advantage of Barnett as the as the provider. But she ended up having the hurt leg. That's why she wasn't working during the show. Something like that. But yeah, and look, I, out of anyone on the show, I think Amber owns who she is more than anyone else. Like she, she is such a straight shooter, so direct, so honest, and that's refreshing. Like it's, um, <laughs> sorry, Amber, if you're listening, but it, it's kind of. I think it's why people, some people are drawn to Trump. Yeah, just like, just like so in touch with and into who they are that that it's people are drawn to that kind of authenticity i don't think amber's anything like trump um but (laughs) except for just being who they are and and that attracting people so i I don't think i don't think anyone was was necessarily unfairly portrayed like all of those things happen sometimes it can be a little misleading how they're strung together like different sound bites from different days can say different things um, and I do think that happened on the show. Some with Jessica, some um, with Taylor, the the guy who came out and said that he's a virgin. Mm-hmm. You know, he was one of the guys that fought and brawl for a cause, and um, you know, that's like his only kind of legacy from the show is that moment when there's a lot more context there. Again, his his story to share. So have him on um, if you want. But yeah, I, I I think in general they did a great job of of telling these stories, and and they chose to focus on what they already knew worked, uh, which is two people trying to figure out if they can spend the rest of their lives together. And, uh, and because the same production company did Mar- Married at First Sight, and that's really the storyline for that reality TV series, um, 
they decided to emphasize that over the experiment. And, and that's where me and kinetic content differ is I think that the interesting, different, engaging, inspirational part of the show was the experiment and was the camaraderie of the guys and girls on different sides of the house going through this experiment together. 100%. And, and I wish that they emphasized more. I think that's what could create a, a more uh, societal or cultural kind of shift in how we interact with each other and decide what, what I think is the most important decision we'll ever make, which is who we spend the rest of our lives with. But all right, so we yeah. could talk about Love's Blind all freaking day. Two last questions. Who was the one that you were just completely turned off by? The woman like, you know, uh, Diamond just couldn't stand Barnett. Couldn't stand him. Uh, so who did you just like instantly on the show be like, oh, no. Diamond and I actually had a, I'll answer your question, but Diamond and I had a really cool moment really early on in the show where we're both really into dancing. Like I love to dance and I lived in Costa Rica for a year. So I learned all the Latin style dances, salsa, cumbia, merengue, uh, barracha, uh, barata. Uh, I, I probably missaid that, <laughs> but, um, but we, we had this moment where we were on different sides of the wall and we were going through salsa steps together. Like we danced and I like, it's moments like those where if they showed more of the experiment that mm. I think is just such, so cool. Like, I, I feel like people would have loved that part. You were, y'all were um, dancing? We were on dancing. Other, on the other side of the pause. But yeah. So like, yes. I guess what, what, you, what we would see if you were watching this show and watching this happen is like literally see a wall in between us, but both of us having our hands and, and stepping with our feet like we were dancing together. <laughs> and there were so many moments like that. You know, Danielle, Danielle and I were doing yoga flows together, probably completely in sync because we're coordinating breath. You know, people were playing games and painting together and there are all these like really beautiful moments that that at least as it stands now we'll never see the light of day and and maybe in season two they'll listen to fan feedback and interviews like this and be like we need to show more of this which I hope they do um but in terms of who I connected least with it's it's so hard to say because the first day we had 15 dates seven minutes each and it was like speed dating and and we immediately cut our list in half so seven people were immediately cut for me so I'm, I'm basing this off of seven minutes with someone and someone that was in the second half of my list but in terms of least least connection honestly I, I think out of the the characters that people know it was probably amber amber like right out of the gate <laughs> asked me, about like the the craziest sexual experience I had or like an embarrassing experience and she shared one of hers and I was just kind of like yeah I'm not like on this level yet or like you know maybe won't ever talk about this on the show anyway so like to me it was like an immediate cut like Amber was one of the first people I cut yeah. <laughs> so my mom's gonna watch this yeah and, and like I like I love being friends with people like Amber and I'm glad that Barnett and I are, are friends but yeah, she she was uh, out the first day for me, um, just based off of like, you know, like who she is. She led with like, yeah. <laughs> like a really intense, crazy, direct kind of thing, like like she did with well, Barnett maybe and maybe others. maybe Amber. I couldn't hang. Basically, <laughs> maybe Amber and Barnett are perfect for each other because Amber asked you that, and then the first thing Barnett said to Diamond: stripper joke. Yeah, so. yeah, and and you know, <laughs> so, with Jessica, her. Her asking what position and him taking it a you know a sexual in, yeah. innuendo route instead of yeah. answering what baseball position he played and yeah. all that kind of yeah so like that, that, another way that they connected that I didn't with you know, you, you know Matt it's amazing though and this is why I was so glad to bring you on because you know people have been getting the interviews from 
the couples that got engaged. But I think you were one of the one that people were most surprised at that didn't get engaged. You know, that, mm. that they thought was going to be the masculine one and come in there and competitive for his love. But you do have a love story and you did experience love on the show. And even though it wasn't shown on screen, that's what I wanted people to know. It's about the people that didn't get engaged that haven't been talked about, you know, to know they experienced love too. And uh, they have just as good of stories as those that did. And finally, will you admit, will you say whether or not love is blind? I, I absolutely believe that love can be blind. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think it, it is for everyone. I don't think it uh, something that important can be generalized to, to fit everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but certainly for, for a couple like Lauren and Cameron, you can't watch that storyline and not believe that love could be blind to, to a certain extent. It's amazing. And, um, and for me, I, you know, love is, is, is not just that fairy tale romantic happily ever after that love is a spectrum. And I, I found love in a lot of, different ways on the show uh, through friendship through camaraderie through um what i developed with danielle which i think is one of the most unique loves in in my life so i I, and 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 a degree of self-love of of being proud of how i navigated the process proud of how i connected with others um and learning more about myself through a very uh dynamic very challenging uh and rewarding kind of journey are you and Rory still friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, yeah, he he's really into this game uh, called Team Fight Tactics. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's a offshoot of League of Legends, and so I I watch his stream, and uh-huh. he's helping me get better at the game, and um, and he's asked me for for some tips and and potentially some coaching uh, around uh, you know his fitness and his health. Uh, so yeah, I mean we've we've talked a lot since the show came out because our stories are kind of intertwined. He's doing a lot of interviews about him getting engaged to Danielle and what happened after. So I'm just kind of looped into a lot of those conversations. Um, but even outside of the the show, uh, he and I see eye to eye on a lot of things. We're, um, we're still good friends. So that's amazing that, you know, yeah, you went through all that and a lot of what could have been a high stress situation and really could have ruined a friendship. You two were mature, especially you mature enough to keep all that together. Yeah, I, I think all three of us, uh, Danielle, Rory, and and I, navigated that in in a in a mature, thoughtful, loving kind of way. And and I wish, I hope that a, a lot more people, um, hear that story or or see it somehow, and um, and and take away what they can from it, uh, use it however they they can. That was wrapping up the Love is Blind uh, story right there. Man, I could talk to you about that for hours. I love the show. <laughs> but all this now was a great benefit, and you've got Love is Blind cast members fighting in the next brawl for a cause, correct? That's right. Yeah, so we, we already talked about Damian Powers mm-hmm. fighting for his little brother. It's, it's one of the most powerful stories. Definitely. Not just of this year, but but that we've ever had. And so really excited to to see his journey unfold and uh, and, and see how Love is Blind nation this community that has formed around the show, how they engage with Damien's decision to, to kind of have his next thing be brawl for a cause when all of the cast members are getting a ton of opportunities. I think it says a lot about him that he, he chooses to, to make it something that, that isn't about him, that is philanthropic, that, that can make the world a, a, a better place. 
and the same goes for John and Kenny. Kenny is, you know, he's he's also one of the main storylines. He he also got hundreds of thousands of followers and all that kind of stuff. And he's one of the people that has least changed, in my opinion, from from all the attention. He is good to his core. Like I, there's very few people that I've I've met in life that are the caliber of of Kenny Barnes. Uh, he's so thoughtful, so wholesome, and um, and he he's a hell of an athlete too. I mean, he's he's been training for a while now. He played college football. Uh, he's lost about fifty pounds since his football days, and so he's lean and mean. And uh, I'm already kind of nervous about who I'm going to match him with and <laughs> what that's going to look like because uh, he's he's a beast mentally and physically, and um, and he has an amazing cause too. He's fighting for a, a, a children's shelter that he and his his company uh, have both supported for a long time. Um, so it's something that's really close to his heart. Yeah, and um, and like like I said, another main character, Mark, fought last year. And Mark's a beast. He's a fitness instructor. His grandfather, Box, he he got back in touch with um, his grandfather's kind of you know energy or, or legacy through going through his journey. He fought for mental health, which is something that I think everyone engages with at some point in their own lives, and, and definitely has loved ones that uh, struggle with it. Um, so something that's really universal. And so I I, I love. I love the the friendships that have come out of this. I love the the cast members that have decided to to do something positive with uh, all this attention that that has come in their way, and I'm really excited to see how it all comes to life on May second uh, when when we have our next brawl for a cause event and and um, and all these guys have you know two months to to get themselves ready and fundraise and. Um, it's it's my favorite thing in the world, and it's in my opinion bringing together two of my favorite things: this love is blind experience and and my you know my passion, my purpose. I definitely plan on attending a brawl for a cause. Yeah, come on yeah. out, man! That looks like so much fun. You said May second. Uh, where is it? Yeah, so it, we're doing it downtown at Southern Exchange Ballroom, okay. and uh, we actually have their cellar space. It's a it's an old department store. And the cellar has been touched since the turn of the century. So since it's 2020, we're doing our first themed event ever. We're, we're doing the Brawling 20s. So That's it's going to awesome. be this Prohibition Gatsby Gala styled event. That's we'll still have all of our casino games and live entertainment that we've had in other years. But we're, we're taking all that to the next level because in 2018, we did Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 2019, we did Georgia World Congress Center. Those are big, expensive venues that, that took substantial resources to pull off. And we don't have as much requirements on us this year, so we can pour it all into guest experience. So we're, it's going to feel like walking back in time That's when incredible. you walk into that cellar. And uh, the other thing that we're investing in this year is a live stream. Because we have these these big reality TV stars and uh, we have a few other people with substantial followings nationally or internationally, we want to be able to have their fans or their community be able to tune in from anywhere not have to fly to Atlanta to come to a a black tie event, you know, to, just to be able to, to pay a few bucks or donate and, uh, and be able to watch their favorite love is blind cast member get punched in the face. That's incredible. Where can people go to buy tickets? Yeah. So all the information on the next event is at brawlforcause.com and you can see all of the brawlers, all of their campaigns, what causes they're fighting for at givebutter.com backslash brawl 2020. And, and you can still route to that through brawlforcause.com. So if you go there, you can uh, you can see how to get tickets. Uh, you'll see information coming up about the pay-per-view soon. It's not live yet. 
And then you'll you'll also start to see featured brawlers and and their stories of why they're fighting for what they're fighting for, why they're willing to take this punch for a change that they want to see in the world. Absolutely amazing. Matt Thomas, dude, uh, this was awesome. This was so much fun. It was uh, way more in-depth than I thought it was going to be, but I'm, I'm glad. You know, we got the good stories. And it's a love story for you that is actually turning out to be exactly what you went on the show for. You know, but in different ways. It's for a bra for a cause. And that getting the attention, um, a great thing you started back in college that is completely selfless and it just it's such a unique thing. And I think your story is playing out the way it should, the way uh, it's supposed to. I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on and, yeah. and uh, get the word out a little bit more. So yeah. thank you for that. And, and I always have fun talking to you. So, yeah, anytime you want to do some yoga, chat again. Yeah, yeah, we can do yoga flowing here. <laughs> I do yoga now uh, my, with my girlfriend. Nice. She's yeah, really I, into that. So. I think everyone could benefit from yoga. Um, I, I, I think all roads kind of end there yeah. <laughs> eventually you know, you're going to be old and trying to put your body back together and yoga is a great way to do that well, uh, yoga so, will grab a beer yeah. all of that beer Bam. yoga is a thing i don't know if you knew are that are you serious it's totally a thing wow. dude we could get over to scoff law and well, uh yeah. and do a little little beer yoga let's do it happy to lead it i love it well man all right even though this was a serious conversation this is the scope to podcast and you're uh you're episode 98 up on 100. Congratulations, yeah. Jackson. Well, well, now you're a veteran, so you got to come to the 100th episode party. I think it's going to be the first Sunday in April. That'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah, count me in. Free beer all the way. So next time you come on the podcast, you got to do one thing for me. Hit me. You got to wear something tight, baby. <laughs> Bring it. All right. <laughs>